Have you ever heard of the term alpha male? You know, like, oh, that guy is such an alpha male. Or my boss, he's such an alpha male. He's so annoying. Well, a podcast patron emailed me and asked me to talk about it. So I thought I would talk about it here on the podcast. I thought I would define it and uh, critique it. So let's do that. This is the Psychology in Seattle podcast. I'm your loyal host, Dr. Kirk Honda. I am chair of the Couple and Family Therapy Program at Antioch University, Seattle. It's just me today. Before I go on, I would ask you to please become a podcast patron on our Patreon page. That is patreon.com. Currently, we have 13 patrons of the podcast, which is awesome. New people, we have patron Pamela, <laughs> patron Pamela, patron Natasha, patron Sarah, patron, patron Diana, patron Juan, patron Mike, and so on. So if you could go to patreon.com and become a patron of the podcast, basically you're just pledging to give a certain amount per month that you set. You can set the amount that you give and you can contribute to the podcast and we can take this podcast to the next level. Patrons will get swag every month. I haven't figured out exactly what that'll be, but it'll probably be something like uh, an extra episode or maybe every other episode will go to patrons. Also, after tallying the listener feedback, I've decided to go with the Trevor Project. So 20% of your pledge will go to the Trevor Project, which helps prevent suicide for LGBTQ youth. So again, 20% of what you give. So if you give $20, then what is that? 20% of $20 is $4. That will go directly to the Trevor Project. I am disclosing that, and you can hold me to that. I thought that was a, a good amount, 20%. Okay, the Trevor Project is the decided charity of choice. If you have other ideas of other charities that you would like us to give to, then let me know. Maybe we'll have a rotating thing. But for now, it's the Trevor Project because that was the one that people were the most enthusiastic about. Also, before I get into the content, just want to just want to read some emails, some really short ones. Patron Pamela, she wrote in and said, Diana and I work together and we love to discuss the podcast. Thank you so much for, for providing an educational and entertaining show. Well, you're quite welcome, patron Pamela. Patron Linda, Linden actually donated just straight up. You can still do that if you go to psychologyinseattle.com. You can just straight up donate instead of becoming a patron. Even though patron Linden is already a patron, he also donated, which is uh, quite uh, nice of him. Patron Diana says, as a therapist, I really enjoy the podcast. It is the only one I listen to every week, one in which I look forward to. I have learned so much, and my only regret is that I cannot contribute more. Well, D Patron Diana, the uh, amount that you are providing is awesome, so do not concern yourself. As long as you're a patron, then you're fine by me. Because as I've said before, statistically, I think there are thousands of you. And so far, we have 13 patrons, which is, you know, just awesome. But if we could get a bunch more of you to become patrons, then we can really make this a family. My, my real hope is that most of you will become patrons, even if you just gave a dollar every month, because then I could potentially just send all my podcasts directly only to patrons. I mean, you know, to paying, to paying patrons, if you will, they, that, you know, maybe I'll just have like one or two episodes that are free to everyone else and, and only patrons will get you know, the podcast, which, you know, kind of makes sense when you think about it. But anyway, uh, so go to patreon.com and become a patron. And again, 20% goes to the Trevor Project. Okay, so let's talk about alpha male. It's actually not something that is discussed much in psychotherapy. You will not hear, you know, therapists talk about alpha males very often or at all. It's also not something in psychological assessment. 
you know, when psychologists assess personality, alpha male, that term is not, I don't hear that term ever, actually, in psychological assessment. There are other terms like dominance or masculinity and these kinds of things, but not alpha male. So the whole alpha male thing, in my experience, is either in two different areas that I hear. It's either in biology or ethology. And it's used to refer to social mammals like monkeys and apes and uh, lions and these kinds of people that, you know, they'll often refer to, oh, you know, that grayback gorilla, he's the alpha and the other males are the betas. Uh, so you'll hear it there. And then you also hear it in pop culture when they're just trying to refer to a particular kind of man. But again, I just want to stress that therapists and psychologists, I don't hear them talking about it. So it's, it's mainly in pop culture. So whenever I hear things that are in pop culture, where do I turn to learn more about that? I turn to the internet. So let's look at what the internet says. There's actually a, a website called Alpha Male Lifestyle. <laughs> That's the name of the pod. That's the name of the, the website, Alpha Male Lifestyle. And they have an article here that says 30 beta male traits you must avoid. So right there, we have a problem, right? We have a, a, some, some uh, writer here that is claiming to understand what the beta male is in the human species. And he or she is just going to write about it without any research, which you should always know that if there is no reference to research, which there is none, then this is just the machinations of one individual, which you should just always take into context. True researchers and true scholars will reference hundreds of other people's writing and actual empirical research and this sort of thing. And, and so whenever you're reading articles online, just you know keep, keep that in mind. And the other thing here that you notice right away is that the title says that you must avoid being a beta male. So right away we see, I mean, of course, on the website called Alpha Male Lifestyle, you're going to find them shaming, quote unquote, beta males. But anyway, let's, let's look into what, what beta males actually are. So they say that beta males are weak and submissive. Beta males, so alpha, beta, you know, it's Greek, so alpha is A and beta, beta is B. I don't think there are gamma males, but anyway. So it says here, to become an alpha male, you must avoid the following acts of body language that beta males usually display. Things like crossed arms, which are a sign of defensiveness. A stiff posture, which is a sign of nervousness. Looking down, which is a sign of weakness. Fidgeting, which is a sign of anxiety. Slouching, slouching shoulders, which is a sign of low self-esteem. Hands covering your genitals, which is a guarded stance. It makes you look smaller and weaker. <laughs> Hands covering your genitals. Um, I think you might have another problem aside from being a beta male if your hands are covering your genitals. Either you're naked or <laughs> someone's about to punch you or, I don't know, maybe you have crabs. I don't know. Anyway. Another thing you need to avoid if you want to be an alpha male instead of a beta male is you want to avoid holding objects in front of you. This indicates shyness. You want to avoid shifting your weight, a sign of physical and mental discomfort, because we all know that alpha males experience no discomfort. You don't want to sit on the edge of your chair. This is a sign of apprehension. 
You don't want to blink too much. Oh my God. This shows you are anxious. <laughs> I'm just imagining a bunch of guys reading this and, you know, going to work the next day and like, you know, not shifting their weight. And I mean, so it's like you can't shift your weight, but you also can't be stiff. You can't cross your arms. You can't look down and you can't blink too much. So I'm just imagining these guys just sitting there like with their eyes wide open, trying not to blink, you know, you know, being very still in their chair while not appearing stiff. Anyway, you're also you're supposed to avoid touching your face when talking. This shows you're indecisive. You should avoid nervous facial expressions. You should avoid smiling too much. Oh, my God. Uh, it says you're smiling at every little thing signals to other men that you are not a threat. Smiling at every little thing signals to other men that you are not a threat. So alpha males are supposed to be threatening by not smiling too much. That's what they're saying. That's yeah, okay. interesting. You should avoid and uh, you should avoid and maintain eye eye contact. What? You should avoid slash maintain eye contact. How does that make any sense? Avoid and maintain eye Shows that you are feeling insecure or uncomfortable. I don't even know what that means. You're supposed to avoid eye contact or maintain eye contact. Anyway. Da, 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 da. So it says here, try to avoid these acts of body language that beta males display. Positive body language is the best way to show confidence. Women love confidence. They also love men who are super conscious and worried about coming across as an alpha male. <laughs> okay. Also, uh, you should uh, you should not be afraid to take risks. It says um, you should uh, never stay in the same job or career. Uh, let's see, you should try things that are different. You should be adventurous. You should uh, not fear making mistakes. You should uh, not be boring. Let's see what else. You should not be a follower. You should not seek approval. Uh, you should say no when you want to. You should not ask for permission. <laughs> uh, let's see. Well, this is interesting. It says that beta males, which you don't want to be, beta males will stare inappropriately at women. That's interesting. So beta males don't stare inappropriately at women. So it says your beautiful women know that they are attractive. Only submissive men turn their heads and stare at women. Checking out every hot woman you see shows desperation and that you probably don't get much sex. <laughs> <laughs> well, I agree. You should not stare inappropriately at women, not because it gives off the vibe that you are desperate and that you don't get much sex, but because it's actually impolite. Perhaps that's why you shouldn't stare at women, because it's impolite and it makes people feel creeped out. Um, you should be confident, it says. Da, 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 da. Let's see. Other beta male traits, it says. Here's a list of other traits that beta males display. Don't look after his appearance. Always makes excuses in life, is very insecure, always apologizes, doesn't admit his mistakes, is shy, is sensitive to criticism, gets jealous, always tries to dominate, always tries to dominate and prove he is better than someone else. That's an interesting one because it seems like the alpha male sort of credo is to dominate and prove you're better than other people, right? Isn't that the whole idea? Is that you care a lot about not being beta and really want to be alpha? Isn't that the whole idea? Anyway, other beta male traits, you avoid confront, uh, you know, they avoid confrontation. They get angry easily. They're always trying to please people. They're uncompetitive. So you got to be very competitive if you want to be alpha. Uh, let's see. He's a pushover with women. 
He is desperate to have a girlfriend. He's afraid to touch women. That's interesting. He doesn't take control in bed. <laughs> Always seems to be a nervous rush to get places, talks too fast, uh, uses filler words such as um and ah in, in between sentences, mumbles and talks in a monotone voice, takes too long to respond to a person's question. Okay, so that is, according to alphamalelifestyle.com, that is what a beta male is. Let's see what else the internet says. Oh, before I do that, let's go on to why I wanted to talk about this, because patron Lyndon wrote in, and it says here that, it says, it struck me that you guys, referring to me and Berto, it struck me, it struck me that you guys use the term alpha male fairly casually. This is common in American popular culture, but I wondered if it would be worth it to explore it in more detail. Rather than accept it as something normal, I would be really interested to see it challenged a little. To be upfront, I am from Ireland, and so this concept is a little alien, but it is slowly getting mentioned in my country also. I think the current form of the idea has been naturalized and people accept it as a given. But what strikes me about it is that it is a stereotype or even an archetype, a construct. I do believe that some of the traits hinted by the notion genuinely do exist and might be hinted at in evolutionary psychology papers. But when a label can be applied to anyone from Gordon Gecko to Tony Soprano, from Walter White to Hannibal Lecter, you know that there is some degree of complexity being left out. I agree. I agree, patron Linden. He goes on to say, I have a smattering of historical sociological knowledge, and I'm aware that in various propaganda pushes to convince Americans to go to war, and the notion of the Marvin Milktoast versus the real man, Marvin Milktoast. I wonder if that's an Irish uh, term. We certainly have Milktoast, but not Marvin Milktoast. He also spells Milktoast with a Q-U-E, which is interesting. I wonder if that's the way you're supposed to spell it. But anyway, the notion of the Marvin Milktoast versus the real man were exploited in the media in previous decades. What I find interesting about this, and I'm sure you could add more, is that this is very similar to the psychological splitting. One man is dependent, a social weak, timid, and fearful. The other is strong, stoic, powerful, extroverted, and ruthless. I have a bunch of questions around this. What theories from psychodynamic psychology? Well, before I get into that, let's, let's just go over some more internet stuff, because I just love reading this up. It's just so great. Okay, this is from EliteDaily.com. And the title of it is called 10 Qualities Every Alpha Male Should Look For in a Girlfriend. Interesting. 10 Qualities Alpha Men Should Look For in a Girlfriend. They should look for loyalty, intellect, passion, vision, control, unpredictability, patience, assertiveness, egocentricity. Interesting. A touch of stubbornness. So again, no research, no, it's just basically one person's, you know, Paul Hudson, the writer here, it's just him probably talking about what he wants in a girlfriend. So that's interesting. Okay, uh, here we have Body Language University, which I'm guessing is not a real university. <laughs> but anyway, body, bodylanguageuniversity.com, they have a picture of George Clooney, which I'm just going to take a guess and say that he did not sign off on his image being used here. But anyway, Body Language University, <clears throat> uh, written by Tanya Raymond, and the article is called Anatomy of the Alpha Male from Identification to Impersonation. Here are some behaviors that can help you identify the alpha male in any group. He freely touches others in the group. <laughs> There's a lot of touching involved with alpha males. Okay, so alpha males freely touch others in the group. He might intimidate by staring He's never uncomfortable with eye contact and will never break it first. 
basically the way these people are describing alpha males are just like rapists and creepos. <laughs> He'll unapologetically interrupt conversations or monologues. Uh, let's see. Is this person pro alpha male? Let's see. Since humans, uh, I don't know. I can't tell if this person likes alpha males or doesn't. Anyway, he'll utilize the pregnant pause. When anyone in the group makes a significant statement, everyone in the group will look to the alpha male for his response. Interesting. He'll do most everything slowly and with deliberation. If the doorbell rings, he might finish his drink before answering it. If the phone rings, the voicemail might beat him to the caller. If someone calls his name, he'll finish his sentence in his sandwich before responding. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's see. He holds the conversation's figurative remote control. Despite others' attempts to change the channel, he'll flex his power to make them think that what he wants to talk about is what they want to talk about as well. When walking in a group of men, the alpha male will generally go first. If the waitress forgot to put in half of the order, the alpha male receives his dinner before the rest of the group? What? If the waitress forgot to put in half of the order, the alpha male receives his dinner before the rest of the group. He'll have no qualms about eating in front of his famished friends and will continue to dominate the conversation as he does so. <laughs> okay. Um, he'll attempt to sit or stand the tallest. By inflating his chest, widening his shoulders, putting his hands on his hips, or spreading his feet apart when standing, he's attempting to appear larger. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Just this has gone on. He'll show no sign of nervousness. He's a close talker. Tips for the reluctant beta male. If you're having trouble breaking the beta cycle, start striking these cortisol-inducing behaviors from your repertoire. Uh, so don't fidget. Don't fold your arms. Don't slump your shoulders. Don't be too eager to please. Don't speak too quickly. Don't be overly impressed. Don't dart your eyes. Don't apologize too much. Don't worry about people liking you. Don't look for praise. Avoid answering probing or incessant questions. Make strong, enduring eye contact. There's that enduring eye contact. Hold your chin high. Move slowly and deliberately. Speak in a lower register. Speak loudly. Take up space. Breathe deeply. Shake hands with your palm down. Shake hands with your palm down. I don't know, that would be weird. Relax. So at the end here, it says, if you're an alpha male, you can consider yourself to be blessed. So apparently there's a thing called an omega male. I'm reading here as well. I don't know what that is. Okay, one, one, more, one more website. So this is just, uh, this is a website called traitsofalphamale.com. So this is a website completely dedicated to the traits of the alpha male. Here are 25 traits of the alpha male. The alpha male is very comfortable. He's passionate about life, about life. Failure is only a minor setback. He's always composed. He's driven. High morals and values. The alpha male is a natural leader. He's a problem solver. He's dress code smart. So he dresses according to the situation. He believes in growth. With women, he always poses a challenge. Plays hard to get. A true alpha male is never bossy. Well, that's interesting. Never bossy. A true alpha male is never bossy. He is not afraid to face his faults. He does not have to prove himself. Alpha males are very clever, smart, and cunning. They're dominant. Uh, they hang out mostly with other alpha males. That doesn't make any sense when you know ethology. Alpha males tend to, you know, compete with other alpha males. <laughs> but anyway, according to alpha males, traits of an alpha male.com, alpha males hang out with other alpha males. They're physically fit. They're optimistic. Alpha males talk slowly. There's that thing, talking slowly. So slow talking is an alpha male thing. Making other people wait. They walk slowly. <laughs> alpha males 
walk slowly. They're really good communicators. They're witty. They take their time to turn their head and focus on you. And they dominate strength. Oh, demonstrate strength. Sorry. Alpha males demonstrate their strength. I don't know. Whatever that means. Okay, so now you get an idea of what the internet is saying about alpha males. Okay, one, one more one more here. So this is National Geographic, actually. They, they did a, some sort of special, I'm, I'm thinking, on alpha males. And they're looking more into the science and how it relates. But they're saying being big automatically makes you an alpha male. Being a little man automatically means you're a beta. Uh, there's body language that will reveal whether you're alpha or beta. Don't ever put your palm facing up when challenged by someone because that's a classic submissive gesture. Your palms up. Don't put your palms up. I have no idea. Remember when shaking hands, try to position your hands so that it lies slightly atop the hand of the person you're greeting. That's interesting. I wonder if anyone's ever tried to do that with me. I think that would be annoying. Usually when you shake hands, you go side by side. Why would you try to put your hand on top of someone else's? That's weird. In fact, normally that's what, you know, traditional feminine women will do is they will put their hands on top as a way of like asking you to kiss them, right? (laughs) Anyway, uh, it's better to hold eye contact to the point of discomfort than to avert your gaze prematurely. Here's that thing again, man. So alpha males, they're saying that alpha males are supposed to hold eye contact to the point of discomfort than to avert your gaze prematurely. Sounds extremely creepy. Uh, let's see. When you hug, make sure your arms are outside the hug box. Well, first off, I like the term hug box. That's one word, hug box. Sounds like a really fun time. I want to go to, let's go to the hug box, everybody. Anyway, so when you hug, make sure your arms are outside of the hug box. So, let's see, when you hug someone outside the hug, I think I know it that, well... I mean, your your arms are either kind of over the shoulders or on the waist, right? So they're saying maybe over the shoulders is the more dominant way. But I don't know. That doesn't make a lot of sense because I've seen both. Anyway, you want to take up space. You want to claim other people's space. <laughs> Any vagina within that space will then assume it is subject to your jurisdiction and behave accordingly. <laughs> This can't be serious. I think it's serious. I'm just going to read this again. Take up space, own the space, claim other people's space. Any vagina within that space will then assume it is subject to your jurisdiction and behave accordingly. Okay, so women out there, let's say a, a man comes up to you, talks very slowly, moves very slowly, stares really, really intently into your eyes shakes your hand but with their hand on top and sits very close to you, do you believe that that man now has jurisdiction over your vagina? That's basically what they're saying. Okay. Don't sit at the corners of a rectangular table. Don't sit at the corners of a rectangular table. Because everyone knows if you sit at a corner, you're a, you're a beta. Everyone knows that you're a weak individual if you sit at a corner. That's, you know, everyone knows that. Uh, alpha males project their voices. Um, here's an interesting. Having a woman around you who is silently and subconsciously judging your male qualities can boost your alphaness. So having a woman around you who is silently judging you in terms of your male qualities, that boosts your ability to be alpha. This may explain the phenomenon of beta male orbiters. Beta male orbiters, so beta males who orbit the alpha male. It appears black men have more alpha body language. 
We are hardwired biomechanical automatons carrying out the directives of ancient genetic algorithms. We are also expert at deluding ourselves otherwise. Oh, boy. If I haven't heard this, God, the amount of times I've heard this crap from people. There's two types of people that, in fact, I bet you anything, some of you are listening right there, right now, and you're thinking about sending me a nasty email. There's two types of people that bug the fuck out of me on the internet. And those are anti-feminists. Those people drive me nuts. And people who are so pro-evolutionary psychology that they can't take a, a valid critique. I absolutely believe that we evolved. There's just tons and tons and tons and tons of evidence. Obviously, we evolved as human beings. And we are just a shade different from our ape cousins. Also, uh, we evolved a psychology, uh, just like all the other animals have instincts. We have instincts. Having said that, it's very difficult to determine through science, through empiricism, what our instincts are. There are some instincts that seem to be easily determined, you know, like we're all born with the drive to have sex, for instance. You know, the vast majority of people around the planet all have a desire to have sex. Makes sense because you need to have sex in order to procreate. So there are certain things that we evolved, but there are other things that are much more difficult to determine, mostly because it's hard to know if we were taught it through culture or we were born with it through our DNA. And of course, there's a lot of interplay between those two things in terms of epigenetics and this sort of thing. But anyway, so there are a lot of people on the internet that will claim that men are, you know, natural leaders and naturally dominant and women are naturally submissive and all this crap. And all you got to do is look into the data and learn that there's a lot of variance in men and women. There are plenty of dominant women and there are plenty of non-dominant men. There are plenty of aggressive women. There's plenty of non-aggressive men. And so how can can such variance exist when one group was quote unquote evolved to be one way and the other not? But anyway, so here we have on this on this um, on this uh, article it says you know they're very adamant about this that we are hardwired biomechanical automatons, hardwired biomechanical automatons, <laughs> carrying out the directives of ancient genetic algorithms. So, um, you know, that's a perspective, you know, it's fine. It's, there's not really a claim there, but I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, frame our existence that way, but you're free to do that. And then it says here, we, all, we are also expert at deluding ourselves otherwise. And the reason why this triggers me and why it gets me so angry is that uh, the people that will attack me, they don't understand when I, when I critique evolutionary psychology, I'm not critiquing the idea of evolutionary psychology. I'm critiquing individual research studies. When you actually look at actual published research, it is very easy to pick them apart because they will study, you know, 200 college students in Minnesota. They will measure something and then they will extrapolate from that that every human on the planet is the same as those 19-year-old boys in Minnesota going to college in America. And they will claim that, well, because we measured this thing, we've proven that we've evolved this psychological mechanism. And that is a very easy thing to critique from the outside because you've, you've studied something, which is great, and you've measured something, which is great, and you've found something, which is great. But then to say that it applies to all humans going back 100,000 years is quite, uh, quite a stretch. 
and so you know that's that's often my the problem I have with a lot of these pub, published research articles. And if you look at the actual research, you will find. And I haven't done a tally, but it's pretty much I don't know. In my estimation, ninety eight percent of research that I see in evolutionary psychology is that way. It is just one research fumble after the next. Now, you know, but I, I again, as I've said before, I totally understand because in order to actually follow the tenets of evolutionary psychology and to demonstrate universality among humans, you would have to spend millions and millions of millions of dollars that simply does not exist in our industry or you don't have access to anyway. I mean, typically, if you're doing research, you're a professor or you're a student, and you're just doing that. You're just volunteering your time, and in order to, and it costs a lot of money even to do those 200 students at the Minnesota College. But imagine having to survey and study and do experiments on humans all over the planet and all the various cultures and all the different ages, and it's really hard. All the different languages, it's very difficult. So I absolutely understand, but. What evolutionary psychology researchers and authors often don't do is they don't provide the the caveat or disclose the limitations that they are suffering from, and they just move ahead with their claims as if as if they are you know valid, and then the press picks them up, and then what happens is that the press picks them up and society picks that up, and and society is right now quite taken with evolutionary psychology. They're quite in love with it. If you if you just walk down the street and said evolutionary psychology says blah blah blah, a lot of people are going to go. Or they're going to listen and they're just going to take your word for it. And there's a lot of science writers that do this right now. And what happens is is that a lot of evolutionary psychology plays into destructive stereotyping of people. They'll say men are this way and women are that way. And what that does, unless you're educated on this sort of thing and, and know the critique of evolutionary psychology, it will influence you. This is proven time and time again through social psychology, that when you tell a group of people they are something, they start becoming that way. You know, for they've done countless experiments on this. You know, you take you take young boys and girls, and you tell you tell them nothing, and then you give them a math test. Well, they tend to do the same, the boys and girls. Then you do another time, and you tell the girls, "Look, girls are not as good at boys at math, and boys, you're better than girls at math." And you give them all the math tests. The boys do better, and the girls do worse. Why is that? It's because we're highly suggestible. So when you publish a article on the internet and say men are dominant and women love dominant men, then people are going to start doing that, even though they're kind of already doing that because we have a culture that, that says to do that. And when we perpetrate these stereotypes, we limit people. I'm not even saying that dominance is necessarily a bad thing. Certainly, it can be taken to a bad level, you know, like rape culture and this sort of thing. But when we limit people... When we limit men to be dominant or to be traditionally masculine, and we limit women to be traditionally feminine, for those people who don't naturally fit into those very narrow bands of behavior, they suffer because they're acting in a way that is not natural to them, that's not spontaneous and not flexible. And so that's why I am, that's why I get so upset about evolutionary psychology in terms of how it is reported in the media. Again, I absolutely understand that evolutionary psychology is a valid science. There are plenty of people that actually will just, you know, they hate the whole science altogether and they want it to go away altogether. In fact, some people have uh, started writing in other fields be, that are basically evolutionary psychology, but they're trying to distance themselves from the term evolutionary psychology because it has so much controversy around it. Um, and, and incidentally, evolutionary psychology is a rather new term. There were other terms in the past 
uh, like sociobiology, I think, and that became so um, riddled with controversy because of the claims that were made that eventually they moved on to another term, which is evolutionary psychology. The whole field of history of the field of evolutionary psychology, if you really read the history of the field, you will find just countless examples of abuse. I mean, all you have to do is look back like 40 years and hear the claims of some of the people, uh, like who was it, E.O. Wilson or someone. Anyway, there was just all this like terrible crap. But anyway, God, I talk about evolutionary psychology way too much. It gets me riled up. Okay, so again, go to patreon.com and become a patron of our podcast on our Patreon page because if you like the podcast, it you know stands to reason that you would potentially feel compelled to contribute. I am dedicating my time for free to this and I'm doing podcasts every day to try to motivate you to actually go to your computer and become a patron to the podcast. If I knew how to guilt trip better, I would I would really lay it on thick right now. So insert guilt trip and maybe that will work on you. All right, so moving forward here. So patron Lyndon asks, what theories from psychodynamic psychology do you think can shed light on the need and desire to become or revere an alpha male stereotype? Well, again, we have to define what alpha male exactly means. And as far as I know, we don't really have a very good definition for humans. Uh, but anyway, the term is often used, again, as I said before, in biology or ethology. And the alpha in, in non-human species is the individual in the community with the highest rank. And the alpha actually can be male or female, depending on the animal. So you can have an alpha female. In common culture, though, as we've been you know, reading, the alpha male term is used to identify men who assert their dominance and who are traditionally masculine. So what would psychodynamic people have to say? Well, as a psychodynamic person myself, I would say that we all have our insecurities. We all feel like frauds, we all feel weak, and we try to hide it. And so we internalize a cultural, a cultural idea and use it as a persona to protect us from the pain and the fear that we are weak and unsure of ourselves. We use this as a defense against our inner pain and anxiety. We interject, we take in a cultural ideal, you know, something from the movies or the Marlboro Man or just even the way people talk about the alpha male. We take it in and we become like that ideal. We use that as a defense against the pain and the fear we have inside of us. It does not take away the pain or the fear. Just want to really, you know, according to psychodynamic theory, we do not take away our fear and pain by using this tactic. It is a defense against it. It is false and it does not ultimately work. Now, you know, if you ask 10 psychodynamic people, you're going to get 11 different answers. But, but here, here's my answer. You know, the, the real way to protect yourself or to help yourself with your insecurity is just to accept it and that it's okay to be insecure and it's okay to feel like a fraud and it's okay to be weak. We're all weak. Accept that you're weak. Accept that you're a fraud. Accept that you're not a alpha male. Accept that no one is an alpha male. Except that it's okay that you don't fit the masculine ideal. If your confidence and your selfhood depends on you being seen as the masculine ideal, then it's going to be a very difficult life. And you're much better off looking to other ways to gaining acceptance and love. And that is through relationships with people that are nuanced and giving and warm and responsive to each other. When you feel accepted and loved, and you have people that are loyal to you and dedicated to you, and you mutually back to them, 
that is when we feel good about ourselves. That's when we feel confident. We don't need to act like some sort of bullshit ideal, like the masculine ideal. We don't, you know, we don't need that shit. It's completely stupid. Anyway. All right. Uh, patron Lyndon goes on to say, do any other theories you are familiar with help to make sense of it? Yeah. Tons, tons of other theories talk about this sort of thing. As I talked about before, social psychology talks a lot about this sort of thing in terms of why human males and females act the way that they do in groups or under certain you know social conditions. Because basically the alpha male concept is an extremely social idea. You know, as I was reading before on the websites, the alpha male is supposed to be not concerned with gaining approval from other people. But someone that's really trying hard to be an alpha male is obviously very concerned about the way other people are seeing them, right? So we're talking about something that is highly social dependent. And so social psychology obviously will have a lot to say about it. And social psychology is an extremely large, interesting field. And I encourage anyone who's interested in that sort of thing to look into it. Gender studies talks a lot about this sort of thing. Feminism talks a lot about this sort of thing. As we talked about before, evolutionary psychology talks a lot about this sort of thing. Don't get me riled up about that again. Cultural studies, uh, social studies, historical studies will talk about this sort of thing. You know, the alpha male ideal has changed over time. You know, I always like to think about our founding fathers and how, you know, George Washington and these sorts of people, the most sexiest part of a man was the calf. I just find that just hilarious. That's why all those guys had those really high pants with those white socks. I mean, men were so concerned with how big their calves were and how they looked to other people and particularly women, they would actually insert things into their socks. At least I think so. I haven't looked this up, but you know, so, so don't, don't kill me if this is apocryphal, but from what I understand, people would basically stuff their socks to make their calves look bigger because that was the sign of what it was to be a man. So obviously this is not evolutionarily based, right? I mean, uh, the way that culture manifests certain things varies over time. And so the way that men today aspire to be the masculine ideal is just influenced by culture today. Um, the other thing is, is that I would say, and or patron Lyndon actually alluded to this, is that it's a part of our American identity. It's a part of what it means to be American. You know, we consider ourselves to be the kick-ass people of the planet. We're the, you know, we consider ourselves the policemen of the planet and the people with the biggest military. We won the Cold War, you know. We came in in World War One and saved Europe. And then we came in in World War Two and saved the world. And, you know, I say this with a lot of sarcasm because it's a lot of silliness. You know, in World War Two, for instance, the true people that saved the world were the Russians. I mean, they were very, very determined and sacrificed way more than we ever did and had way more overall bravery than Americans ever did. So it's all just a bunch of silliness that Americans have, you know, used in propaganda. But why not? You know, you have all these wonderful stories and these wonderful actors like John Wayne and this sort of thing. You know, it's, of course, you're going to want to feel good about yourself. It's a little stupid. But anyway, so we consider ourselves as Americans, the people that kick ass, you know, these colors don't run, they say, but we weren't always the world's ass kickers. That, that was only, that's only been recently, since about World War II. I mean, even at the beginning of World War II, when Hitler was already rampaging around Europe and invading Poland and, and Czechoslovakia and France, and he was in Afri er, Africa, yeah, he was, you know, and Japan was raping and pillaging across China. I mean, there were terrible things happening, and most of Americans didn't want to get involved. You know, most Americans were like, no, we're, 
we're not that world's ass kicker, kickers. We're, we're passive. We believe in peace. And so we were not entering the war. But then Pearl Harbor happened. My Japanese ancestors and their cousins <laughs> bombed Pearl Harbor and then got my Japanese American ancestors in Washington State locked up in concentration camps, which is fantastic. But anyway, that's when, it sh- that's when the shift happened in our society, when, when we became ass kickers, you know, when we became tough guys. Also, our nation was built on the notion that men build their own life. You know, in other countries, you build a life based on where you are in that society. You know, if you're a pauper, if you're a peasant, you stay a peasant. If you're a king or a prince, that's what you become. In America, you know, we're supposedly a land where you can become whatever you want to become. Of course, that's ridiculous because, of course, we have class. But but um, that's the notion, you know, the Wild West, the entrepreneur, the person who invents something, the person who starts a company. Uh, and so that's how we see ourselves. And so that whole alpha male thing is very important to us because it's a part of who we are as a country. It's a part of who we are in relation to other countries. It's a part of our, you know, delusion that we can all make a difference in the world because... It's, it's part of the delusion that any person can rise up out of the ashes and become successful. Patron Linden goes on to ask, what does evolutionary psychology have to say about this? And do you find it at all plausible or do you find it very problematic? Their view, very problematic. Well, I think I've already answered that question, but um, perhaps just to go a little bit into it. Um, yeah, obviously I find it problematic in the reasons that I talked about before. Um, another point in terms of the problem with evolutionary psychology is they tend to dico- dichotomize. You know, they tend to say women are this way and men are that way. But when you actually look at the data, you see two bell curves of distribution that are highly overlapping and the effect size is very small. Therefore, you, it's very difficult to say women are one way and men are, are the other way. You know, it, I like to use the example of men are tall, women are short. You know, most people, because they have eyes, would say, well, that's a little simplistic, right? You know, men are not, you know, all, not all men are tall and not all women are short. There are certainly tall women and there are certainly short men. Plus there are children. What do you talk about? You know, so, so everyone understands that there are bell curves of distribution. Now the average man is taller than the average woman. People understand that. And so when we talk about men being dominant and women being submissive, we're talking about bell curves. Plus, behavior is highly cultural and highly socializable. And so anyway, but having said all that, it seems very likely, given the data, that men did get selected for being physically strong, right? And it seems at least somewhat possible and and likely that men were selected for you know, through sexual selection and also natural selection, that men were selected for being dominant and daring and a little aggressive. So, so that's, that's the main argument, you know, is that, well, men are aggressive because they were selected to be that way. And men were dom- men are dominant because they were selected to be that way. And women love dominant men and women love, you know, prestigious men, you know, that kind of stuff. But, and again, it must be pointed out that this doesn't say anything about uh, homosexual relations and other, other non-traditional sorts of situations. But anyway, but it's also clear from the data that men were selected for their intelligence and their warmth because every man I know wants intimacy and closeness with others aside from psychopaths, but every, every man I know wants everything that is associated with being a woman. <laughs> every, every man wants intimacy. Every man wants to be heard. Every man wants 
secure relationships. Every man, aside from psychopaths, every man loves children and animals and little things and, and to laugh. Whereas, honestly, not every man I know is aggressive or physically strong. So it's just interesting the way that the evolutionary psychology research literature and the media in particular will focus on certain aspects of masculinity and certain aspects of evolutionary psychology instead of talking about others. You know, it makes total sense that men evolved to be caring and warm and compassionate because without that pro-social characteristic, then no one's going to like them in the tribe, right? And the tribe will not survive because if you just have a bunch of selfish, constantly competing dominant alpha males, then your whole society is going to come crumbling down. And they've even found this among apes where they used to think, oh, you know, you have this alpha male and then you have all these beta males. Well, when they actually observe them more closely, they found that they, f- they find that alpha male apes like chimps and, and other and gorillas and these kinds of, I don't know the exact species, but other species <laughs> of primates, they find that even the alpha males, they cooperate a lot and they give a lot and they're compassionate and they're caring. And so cooperation is something that we evolved to do. And you just don't hear a lot about that. You know, how often do you see, you know, evolutionary psychology shows that men were evolved to be cooperative and loving. (laughs) I laugh because I just cannot imagine that, that headline. And for whatever reason, the media just doesn't pick up on that. I mean, Having said that, I can't remember every single headline I've seen, and I'm sure that headline has exist. But the, I just, anyway, I won't go down that road again. All right, uh, let's read uh, some more on the internet here. Uh, there are some articles that I think are a little better, like this uh, article by Kaufman titled The Myth of the Alpha Male, and it is on artofmanliness.com. All right. Again, go to patreon.com and become a patron. You know, we have we have 13 patrons. Let me let me just check to see if we have any more. We have 13 patrons and I think we're on day 6 or 7 of the I think it's 7. Day 7 of our pledge drive. I'm going to keep bothering you incessantly until you all become patrons because I feel like it would be a wonderful thing if we could have a wonderful little community of us that paying customers get all the goodies and the non-paying customers don't get shit. (laughs) Plus, remember that 20% of your shit gets donated to the Trevor Project. Boy, can you tell that I'm a little punchy? It's late. Uh, It's like, because I'm trying to do these podcasts every day, you know? And so it takes me a while to prepare each podcast and I have other things to do. You know, I have to work and everything. And so I'm doing these podcasts late at night right now. It's uh, almost 11 o'clock and I'm getting a little punchy and saying stuff like, you know, non-patrons aren't going to get shit. <laughs> okay. So again, go to patreon.com. Go to psychology. It's, it's patreon.com slash psychology in Seattle and become a patron. You can donate $1 a month or $100 a month or a million dollars a month. Uh, a million would be awesome if you could do that. So if you have that kind of cash, don't be greedy. Give it over. My hope is is that if we get 2000 a month, I'll be able to add another weekly episode. Maybe more than just one weekly. Maybe I should add two weekly episodes. I don't know. Or maybe I'll say I'll do it every day. I don't know. I'm kind of liking this everyday thing too. It's sort of fun. It sort of relieves the pressure of doing like full awesome episodes. You know, it's, I can just do a bunch of shitty ones. <laughs> 
All right, that does it for another episode of Psychology in Seattle. Thanks for joining me. Please take care of yourself because you deserve it. And avoid these creepy eye-staring alpha males because they're trying to put your vaginas in their jurisdiction. (laughs) 